0: Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. Today I am joined by Van. Van is a local business owner, and a few years ago, he became aware of allegations that employees were stealing from his business. So I asked him if he would be willing to share about his experience today with our listeners. And just so our listeners know, we will be working together, both Van and I, to share this story without identifying anyone specifically. So thanks for being here, Van. Thanks for having me. So to provide just a little background context, what type of business did you own, do you own?
1: It's a community service provider agency, similar to a home health agency.
0: Okay. And what was your involvement? When did you start this business? And then what was your involvement up to the point that you found out you might have a problem?
1: Well, the business, I started the business in 2000 and the initial plan was I was going to run it, but then some other business opportunities came up it accelerated my plan in that i you know, who i was going to hire to do what mm-hmm. so i hired someone that i had a, an extensive history with to run it mm-hmm. i knew this person had the uh, programmatic knowledge uh, probably weak on the business side but i could hold her hand and walk her through all of that so that allowed me to not be a financial burden on the on the upstart but still remain involved so long Answer to your question, I was I was kind of an absentee owner. I, not kind of, I was an absentee owner with the with the business because she got in and we set it up. Things started clicking. You hired
0: essentially a CEO. Correct. And then, what other types of individuals were there to run kind of the business side? Well, like did she run everything, or did she have initially?
1: Okay. And then, you know, as we grew, we you know, obviously started adding more people. A year after we started, we hired a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Who had a lot of experience in the industry, so it was a natural fit. So, it wasn't a big learning curve yeah. for, for anybody. Yeah, CEO was hired initially, and then bookkeeper about a year later, and then of course we had a lot of programmatic staff that sure. didn't really have a lot to do with the. the running of the business, but more on the program side.
0: Sure. Providing those services to your clients.
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah.
0: Whenever you set up your business, one of the things I noticed whenever we were introduced was that you did have several different controls in place that should have helped it make it Easier to be an, an absentee owner, like you said. So what were some of those controls that you did set up?
1: Well, the bookkeeper was who handled all of the accounting. The CEO was to review all accounts receivable, accounts payable. Every check required two signatures. Mm-hmm. We outsourced a CPA, hired a CPA to come in and, and balance the bank statements and everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was supposed to have backup invoices, Any any bills that were paid, you had to mm-hmm. have to, Invoice to back it up and everything. So yeah,
0: and then every year you were audited we too, had, right? Yeah,
1: we had a financial audit every year. In mm-hmm. addition to that, we had a program audit mm-hmm. every year. There was some overlap with the program auditors. While they weren't CPAs coming in, they did look at some of the financial information, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a, a full blown financial audit mm-hmm. like what you think of. so yeah. As financial aid,
0: so. Yeah. And all of these things that you've mentioned, just having that second person involved in this process and splitting up these responsibilities, I mean, that's what I would recommend whenever if I went into a business. Yeah. I thought I had all my bases covered. So you started in 2000? 2000, 2000. And then about how long had your business been running when you were told about some allegations of financial misconduct?
1: Sixteen years.
0: Yeah, gosh, wow.
1: Sixteen years. I thought everything was running smoothly.
0: And nothing raised
1: a red flag that. No, as a matter of fact, it, we mentioned the two types of audits that we had. We got there was never any issue on any of the financial audits. Nothing. Hmm. Program audits that we got, they were good. I mean, you know, we never never got a got a bad mark for. I mean, you get gigged for little things but you know right. nothing that really amounted to much right. so you just fix it and you, you go on right. so throughout I, the 16 years everybody was giving us gold stars right so,
0: and, and the financials were what you expected as well yes that when you were given the financials it was right what you expected absolutely yeah absolutely okay so then let's talk about how did you find out that you had a problem what happened
1: well out of the blue i had a um an administrative employee called me and asked to meet with me because she had some concerns. I met with with this this individual and she shared some information with me that um, obviously concerned me. Yeah. I asked her to um, bring me some proof mm-hmm. of what she was telling me and she did. So after looking at that I was almost in panic mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What did she say was going on?
1: Well, initially she said that there was some payroll being padded mm. and the, and that there were some checks that were being written for the wrong things. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but the primary thing was the padded payroll. Yeah. She had another employee just happened to mention to her that, uh, kind of like a confession, that she had an arrangement with the CEO. The CEO would pad her paycheck, her hours, in return for this individual basically going out cashing her check and coming back and giving the CEO cash mm-hmm. half for half of those padded hours. Mm-hmm. So that's what got this whistleblower staff to call me and say, this is what's going on. Yeah. After that staff had confessed to her. What she did, the, the whistleblower staff, started doing some snooping. Okay. And she went into the CEO's office and got on her computer that she, I guess, just left up and running. I was about to say,
0: okay, that's that's real secure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, to the best of my recollection, it didn't require a password to get in. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, uh, she goes in and she basically starts snooping on her computer Mm -hmm. and looking in the financials. And the thing that really raised an alarm to her was in the accounting software, she found checks that were supposedly written to her that she claims she never received.
0: Oh, to the whistleblower's name. Yes. It said it was paid to whistleblower, but right. whistleblower never received them.
1: Okay. Right. Then she started running reports, and and that actually, whenever she met with me, that is one of the reports that she brought to me was a list of checks that were written out to her and this other staff that had confessed to her that, according to the the accounting system, says these checks were written to them, but according to them, they never received checks. Oh gosh. There were some other reports that she showed me that obviously raised a red flag, but that's what, that's what started the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So then let's just kind of circle back around to that payroll issue too, just to make sure that's explained for our listeners. So the CEO would tell this employee, I've put an extra thousand dollars on your check. When you go, when that check clears or when you cash it or whatever, I want you to bring me back $500.
1: Correct. That's, that's how that's, that would work. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So everything looked on paper, everything looked legit. Right. Unless you go and actually compare their paycheck to their timesheet.
0: Right. At the beginning, when she told you this, mm-hmm. like what was your first reaction?
1: Well, my emotions, the entire gamut, as you can imagine, it was anger, disbelief, fear, you know, because yeah, you know, I'm thinking, How much is going out? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, as a business owner, I'm thinking how how is this going to affect my business? Right, a lot of anger.
0: So, what did you do first, just in response to this? I mean, you find out about this; it is infuriating, but then you got to do something about it. So, what was that next step for you?
1: I believe I I asked for a, a few more a few more documents from the whistleblower staff and this mm-hmm. other staff that confessed, which they brought me what they could generate or find. Then I started putting the ball in motion of, uh, obviously, I have to get the CEO out of there. Mm -hmm. But I set up a meeting with the CEO and the bookkeeper, which Mm -hmm. we have... I don't know that we've discussed the bookkeeper.
0: We haven't gotten into that one yet. Yeah.
1: One of the things that... that, Well, obviously, the bookkeeper had to be involved if if there were fraudulent checks being written. Right. Because as I stated, there requires two checks, Mm -hmm. and everything's supposed to have uh, backup Mm -hmm. for... So the, the the bookkeeper had to be involved at, at some point. But on the payroll reports that she brought me, there were uh, some some <laughs> improprieties there, too. For example, the bookkeeper's husband was on payroll, mm-hmm. but he never worked for us. Right. Needless <laughs> say, I, I started, set the ball most, set up a meeting, came to the office under the guise of uh, meeting with them about something and terminated their employment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, contacted the police mm-hmm. and contacted an attorney yep. and contacted you. That's right. <laughs> That's a pretty
0: normal path yes. for well, people to uh, find me. Yeah, I remember throughout all of this, we kind of started with looking at the payroll issue and the ghost employee, like you were talking about, the bookkeeper's spouse being on the payroll. Then also looking at those checks that were allegedly paid to the employee, but the employee never received them. And so just looking at what that looked like. And and if I remember correctly, just from a data perspective on that, the check issue with the whistle, those checks to the whistleblower employee, the checks would be, let's just, this is off the top of my head. I haven't yeah. read the, your report in a long time, but let's just say that a check was actually written to CEO or bookkeeper. And then the check would be printed and taken to the bank. But then in the system, in QuickBooks, they would go back and code it under whistleblower employees name. And so that's how that worked. So for us to see how much was this damage to your business for us, we went and you were using QuickBooks. And so we went back in QuickBooks and looked at the audit trail to see how many checks had been changed like that. And then went and verified that those checks had actually, you know, who did those checks actually get paid to, but that was part of that concealment and why your external CPA reconciling wouldn't have noticed unless they were actually checking the payees on the bank statement and comparing that to what was in QuickBooks. Correct. So that's kind of how that uncovered padded payroll, ghost employee, and then just checks written to whomever and then disguised as something else. Right. Were there any other schemes that were discovered along the way?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are items purchased supposedly for... It looked like a legitimate business expense, but you know, as we started looking around, they were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. When you look at the uh, the paper trail, the invoices and stuff, you would see that, like for example, that these things were delivered to somebody's personal address mm-hmm. or uh, another business.
0: Oh right, right. Yeah. There were some side businesses involved. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That your business was funding. And I also remember, too, there were a lot of missing supporting documents, too. Like, you did have good systems in place that required supporting documentation. And so you would have supporting documentation for all of it except these additional payments or except fraudulent reimbursements. Right. As I mentioned
1: earlier, everything was supposed to have backup. And there was a lot of that missing. For example, a lot of documentation that would be missing, which we couldn't locate. Mm-hmm. We couldn't locate what was purchased. Right. So obviously right. those things went somewhere to right. somebody else. Right. And your business paid for it. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know that that would have ever been caught unless, like you said, somebody was there. And whenever they're doing the, the reconciliation of the bank statements, they, they look at the actual check and they see, well, this says mm-hmm. it went to... Best Buy mm-hmm. but it was actually written to Joe Blow over here or the check that went that was cashed actually went to Joe Blow mm-hmm. and when you go to look for for an invoice, the backup for that it's not there right. Yeah,
0: there was a lot of that
1: a lot. Another
0: interesting kind of scheme that was going on too was that a bunch of the people who were being paid this padded payroll, they were also getting paid extra reimbursements and they were getting paid extra petty cash. Do you remember that? Yes. that just came to my mind too that yes. they were only supposed to be paid expense reimbursements and petty cash a couple times a month, but they were getting <laughs>
1: right checks they get every, week, cash every week, every
0: day. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah so and again, on paper, you know auditors would look at that. Well, that's legitimate.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and the dollar amount was right. so small too for the revenue, so. Right, but those little things add up. They do, And they add up quick, yes. Another one too is that uh, diverting some of your AR to a dummy business account.
1: Yes, unbeknownst to me, the CEO and the bookkeeper conspired to set up a bank account at a different institution under a very similar name Mm -hmm. to my business Mm -hmm. and the banking institution I obviously didn't do their due diligence, mm-hmm. set it up. And the name was was so similar to my business name that whenever they brought in a check to deposit, yeah, it was it was just business as usual for them.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that part of the loss was just pretty significant. I mean, just taking yeah. that out. And, and that was
1: a bold move on their part. That was. It was a really stupid move, but it was a bold move on yeah. their part.
0: And that wouldn't have shown up either because they were deleting the invoices, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't showing that the client owed anything or that whoever the customer was owed anything. They were deleting the invoice altogether. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you don't have any outstanding receivables, you wouldn't even know that there were things past due or that you never received the money. Exactly. Right. Because it was deleted. Mm -hmm. And the way we found that, just so our listeners know, was by once again looking at the audit trail in QuickBooks, look at everything that's deleted and Why do we have all these invoices deleted? <laughs> it, it, yes, that's
1: yes. how
0: that's how we went to go quantify the loss. Do you remember how you discovered that that happened?
1: I don't recall um, I Actually, actually I, don't I do recall how how did I how did I learn of the other bank account? Yes Because when I terminated them the day that that happened They wanted to go back into the office and get to their things and I told them they couldn't uh, and it just so happened they had the checkbook for the checking account for the fraudulent account. That's the only yeah. way I caught that. Wow. And if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I brought that to you or mm-hmm. informed you about that. And that's when we started looking for that yeah. scheme.
0: So then we go into the audit trail. Okay, well, how did you not know you didn't collect all of this? And then here's all these deleted invoices and... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gosh, I'm, I'm just checking my list to make sure we covered all of them. I mean, there's just so many. So whenever you first heard about this problem from the whistleblower, how many people did you originally think were involved?
1: Well, originally, when I first met with the whistleblower staff, I thought it was a couple of people. Mm-hmm. But...
0: And then how many were there in the end that, that you know of for sure? I mean, there could have been more, but...
1: That we can prove without a doubt there was 10 people. Ten. Ten yeah, basically, my almost all of my administrative staff were involved to one degree or another
2: mm-hmm.
1: in one scheme or another. There were several schemes going on, all independent of one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a big shock. I initially thought yeah. one or two people were getting their payroll padded, and they're working with the CEO and the bookkeeper to you know make some some fraudulent purchases and never did I expect that everybody would be involved in
0: it. You know, just the ability to run that many schemes from like a... I mean, how do you keep that many people to keep their mouths shut for that long? But also, I mean, we talked about this before, that you did have these controls in place, but once everybody is part of a scheme, or lots of schemes in this case, or however they were all connected and kind of had dirt on the other person, then that, you know, in our fraud investigation world, we say that collusion always breaks your controls. And so this was the perfect storm of collusion. You yes. had these controls in place. You were being diligent as a business owner to set this up. But then if those people are all conspiring to work together, it's going to break your controls.
1: Right. You know, and that <laughs> I don't remember who it was that kept telling me that, you know, um, in, w- whenever I was living this nightmare. You know, you don't don't beat yourself up too bad because if two people in the right position are going to conspire against you, they're going to be successful at least for a little while. Right. Especially two key people like what I had, CEO and right. the bookkeeper. They were they had control of all of the financial stuff.
0: I mean, they were the top two.
1: Yes, they and were. The, they were two of the controls I had in place. Right. You know, um, they were supposed to check one another. Right. And I would periodically meet with them individually to talk about the other one to say, you know, (laughs) is anything going on, you know, fishy? I mean, has she, has she made any questionable purchases or, 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 or anything like that, you know? And and I would ask her the same of, of him, but when they're in it together, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to catch.
0: Right. Well, we're going to take a really quick break and we'll get back into the story.
2: If you're a professional with continuing education requirements, then you've sat through your fair share of required training hours. Let's just say you probably didn't love it, and every year the requirement hours sneak up on you at the worst time. That's why we've created the Investigation Game, an interactive CPE training experience that qualifies for two hours of ethics continuing education. The Investigation Game, the case of the man cave, gives players the opportunity to walk through an investigation and solve a case based on actual events. Think of it as your favorite detective game, but with an opportunity to learn while you play. Players are given case details, decision-making steps, and additional case information to then quantify the embezzlement loss, identify schemes used, and uncover assets purchased with stolen funds. Gameplay wraps up with a presentation providing the case solution and awards the winning teams. This valuable event makes earning continuing education hours fun by combining a real-life case study with an interactive team-building game that we think you're going to love. To learn more or to register, visit InvestigationGame.com. Welcome back to my interview with Van.
0: So, Van, over how many years do you think these schemes were occurring?
1: We don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. What we do know is that it went back at least six years. Once we got to a dollar amount, it became futile to research further. Right. And plus, you know, after that long, a lot of the records, paper records, backup stuff is is missing. They'd already been purged and right. things like that. So we stopped looking after six years. So we know it went on that long. Mm-hmm. I suspect it went on longer than that.
0: Yeah. And if I remember correctly, over those six years, I think all of these schemes we've talked about were going on for those six years. So you may have just had a couple of the schemes prior to that. You know, like, surely it didn't all just, they had a team meeting and said, all right, this is what we're going to do and right. have these like six to eight schemes or however many right. we've got.
1: It was like a snowball going downhill, yeah. you know. Yeah. Each year that snowball just kept getting bigger. Yes. And bigger. Yes. Maybe they brought in somebody else, but yeah, they were all going six years before i caught it and uh, they just picked up steam
0: right and the fact that there weren't financial red flags for you that everything appeared to be running the same way until you got in and actually started looking at things profit can only fund embezzlement for so long you're going to run out of profit or the extra cash flow and so you were saying earlier before the interview that when you got in you discovered how they were kind of funding some of this.
1: Right. That's a common question. You know, whenever somebody learns about my experience, that's, that's one of the first questions (laughs) they ask was, how did you not know? Right. How, you know, how did uh, you not feel it? If they're taking that kind of money, surely you would have noticed it, you know, and if I were in their shoes, you know, on the outside looking in, I would have said the same thing, Mm -hmm. but the profit margin, you know, There was a little fluctuation over the years, Mm -hmm. but it was relatively the same as you would expect. You know, you had some up years and some down years, but there weren't weren't huge fluctuations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was never a red flag there. Compile that with the fact that we're getting clean financial audits. We're getting clean program audits. The outside CPA says everything looks good to them. Mm -hmm. So there were just no obvious red flags to anybody.
0: But they had to be finding this money somewhere. Yes. And the way they were doing that.
1: Yes. And once I got in there and we started digging, one of the ways that they were able to do that was, you know, they were pushing bills out to be paid, you know, to almost to where they were going to be sent to collections. Or... And then that's
0: when they would pay them.
1: right, mm-hmm. Right.
0: Because if it had gone to collections, it would have triggered a red flag. So... Right. More than likely. I mean, they could hide that too, I guess. But, yeah, they could But eventually you're going to find if they, out. If
1: they can hide yeah. a bank account, I mean, right. they could have hid that. So, right. Right.
0: Yeah. So and to my knowledge, vendor,
1: it never happened, but that's, that's that's not to say that it didn't. That's true. That's true.
0: Yeah, I've had that before. Whenever people are embezzling, they always run out of money, so they have to start pulling from some other source, right? And yeah. so this one particular person, when she ran out of the extra cash and the owner says, oh, I'm not doing very well. Just don't pay me payroll. Well, she just took his payroll too. You know, that funded the embezzlement. At a certain point, okay, now the owner's not getting paid. There's no extra money. She's stolen all the profit. Where'd she go? The payroll trust accounts and pulling that out and not paying payroll taxes. So then that creates a whole nother headache for the owner whenever this was discovered, but she was getting the notices. Because yes. she was the bookkeeper, so yes. she was getting the notices for the payroll, Yeah. and she was hiding those. So it just perpetuated. But that's
1: one advantage that I had. Thank God that we always had our taxes paid because we outsourced our yes. payroll. Yes. Yes. So I didn't. I didn't have to deal with that headache, and then yes. I had an outside CPA doing the the taxes. Yeah, and, and So everything. they
0: couldn't steal that part of it. Yeah, uh,
1: I shudder to think what it would have been like. Oh. had had I had that in house.
0: Yeah, the one area that is just one of the toughest for owners is they've just lost all this money and now there are all these penalties and and the responsibility still falls back on the owner for all those payroll taxes. Right. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. Okay. So our listeners at this point are probably wanting to know what was the total calculated.
1: The calculated total over the six year span was approximately $1.2 million. That was a calculated total. That's yeah. that's yeah. the actual dollars and cents that we can we can add up. You know, there's a trail for that now. And now the real total was significantly more than that. Whenever you consider the damage to my reputation, the business's reputation, I had to pay back some clients that had some money mm. taken from them. Yep. All of that's not in the calculated
0: total. Right. And then not to mention legal fees.
1: Oh, yeah. Legal fees, investigative, for fees, investigative fees. fees. Banking fees for, for getting a lot of this history oh, yeah. that they had. I, I don't know if they destroyed it or it just they lost it or, or what. But, you mm-hmm. know, you got to go back for you know, six years, call the bank and say, I need bank statements from six years ago, mm-hmm. you know. They want to charge you for that, right? So, but yeah, the the expense of investigating this stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's the uh, the attorney or me, the forensic accountant, <laughs> yep. somebody that was not,
0: and even any, your time, because we were spending a lot of time. Yes, I mean there was a lot of data to go through, but there was a ton of time on your yes. part and your wife's part of yes. pulling documents and
1: yes. just uncovering more things. Yeah, th- um, there was. There was some long, long days, Yeah, you know? And if you can just imagine, put yourself in my frame of mind, you just caught people stealing all this money from you. The more you dig, the more you find, Mm -hmm. you know? And it it just wears on you. It really wears on you. Mm -hmm. Obviously you you can't sleep, you can't eat. It takes a toll on you, more Mm -hmm. than a financial toll.
0: Sure. And these are people that you thought you had a great relationship with, that you trusted. Yeah. And the
1: CEO, I would consider, I would have considered her an extended member of the family. Right. We had that strong, I had that strong of a trust factor with her. Right. Obviously, yeah. it was misplaced, but to add insult to injury, many of the individuals involved in the embezzlement of my business continue to work in the, this industry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: With their continued employment in the industry, they, they have continued their pillaging. Of my business mm-hmm. by stealing clientele, and despite the fact that they got caught. As a business owner, your your hands are kind of tied as to whenever you're investigating things, as, as to what you can say. Right. You know, my turn. You know, your attorney tells you, you know, keep your mouth shut. You right. Know. But these, but the during real- that time, <laughs> the, these perpetrators are out there spinning these tales and right. You know, dragging your name and your business's name through the mud to make themselves look better. Mm-hmm. And whenever they go to a client and they tell them that I just have this vendetta against them mm-hmm. and that the client sometimes believes them. Mm-hmm. Consequently, they entice that uh, client to move with them to one of my competitors. right? And they, they use that client as a bargaining chip Mm -hmm. in their new place of employment Mm -hmm. but there's not a whole lot that I can say other than just you know issue a warning to to people you know I don't know that I would trust that person (laughs) Um, but anyway long story short even after they were caught they continued some of them continued to steal from the business Mm -hmm. and actually here were what. 4 years later and right. it's still happening not and not as frequently but it it still happens, still happens to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, gosh. Throughout the investigation were there some things that surprised you as you went through this process? You run a business and you know your business. And then all of a sudden you are now in the legal world, in the investigation world. So I'm curious what someone on the outside of my industry thought were kind of surprising things.
1: Well, this was my first foray into the legal world. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was an, an eye opener. Yeah. It was really, really It's a crazy,
0: <laughs> it's a crazy world, right? It, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. operates by its own rules.
1: It is. And I don't like those rules. Yeah. It's frustrating. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't. But yeah, so surprising the, the things, some of the things that surprised me is one, the creativity of the criminal mind and, and in my in my situation the other thing is the unwillingness of people to talk
0: oh yeah yeah is there anything else surprising or, or even frustrating that you would add
1: on that? well I, w- <laughs> I, w- I, w- I was surprised at how thorough a forensic audit can be oh uh, gosh <laughs> I was I was, I was uh, you know you would call me with with something Whenever I was living this nightmare and you would say, you would ask me questions about something. Obviously you call me, ask me questions about something that spurs my curiosity, uh-huh. you know, um,
0: then you have to go dig. for more. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it
1: was like, what, there's a, there's another embezzlement scheme going that we haven't, yeah. we, we, we just now found. And mm-hmm. those are the, those are the things that it surprised me is how, how thorough a forensic audit can be. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'm, I'm at this point, I was thinking, how can my f- annual financial audit not catch this right, right well there's a big difference between a financial audit and a forensic audit there is and that was surprising yes. to yes
0: yeah yeah And I, it an it's, a, it's a very common misconception because i think that a financial audit to a business owner makes you feel comfortable yeah somebody else who's an expert in financials is looking at my financials but there's only so much that they're going to look at every year. And a lot of these things we talked about would have fallen under the materiality threshold. But like you said, added up 1.2 million over six years, as many people working together. I mean, it just adds up.
1: Yeah. I can remember whenever you seen your report on the, the analysis that you did of the checks that were changed in QuickBooks, Mm -hmm. the check that got cashed, how it differed from the, Check register, mm-hmm. and I remember looking at that, just almost literally being sick, mm-hmm. going, how, how did they figure that out? Right, you know. Right. So it goes back to my the first surprise. I thought the creativity of the criminal mind is surprising. Yeah, to me.
2: The number one thing that
1: was frustrating as yeah. uh, the so-called justice system is <laughs> for those that are listening and have never actually been involved in something like this, it is incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. and unsatisfying. I mean, yeah. the response that you get from law enforcement, mm-hmm. for my case, was literally, don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah, That was literally what I was told.
0: I also think too, in your case, because there was so much collusion, the dollar amount is 1.2 million but the dollar amount per person right. is so
1: small. Adds a problem.
0: And so it's, your case is just it. I don't mean this offensively to any investigator by any means, but the intricacies of the case and the time that would be taken to prosecute it on a local level, mm-hmm. it's just too much because of their volume and everything that they have to do every day. Right. But then on the federal level, mm-hmm. it's too small per person. And so it doesn't necessarily meet some of those thresholds. I found that frustrating on your case as well. And just trying to think, how can we, you know, but we can't make something up, obviously. (laughs) But it is very frustrating. And in in your case, you were able, you did have some insurance, not close to this. What were some of the methods you used to help recover your loss? And more specifically, like, you can file a, a complaint with law enforcement, civil lawsuit, insurance, those types of things. What were I mean, I think we did all of those things on your case whether or yes. not they panned out, but Right.
1: Yeah, I think we explored every avenue to help recover the loss, but it's never and then, in my case it was it's never not. Enough. Close. Was yeah. never, obviously, you know, you insurance, they're not they're not really Eager to part with their money, either you know they're going to <laughs> right. find fault with you, right. you know, and you're you're already down, and then you know the insurance agency comes in and tells you, well, you should have been doing this or you should have been doing that, you know, and it's just it's it's they're literally kick you when you're down, right, you know. So yeah, that was um was incredibly frustrating dealing uh, not only with them. Then you talk about the banks, you know, mm-hmm. they're certainly not eager to admit fault on their part either right nobody ever everybody wanted to blame me I know uh yeah so. and I think
0: we talked about it then and I mean I'm going to say it again for our listeners too but that is so common yeah and it's even it's just well was the business owner not paying attention was the business owner not doing this was the business owner not doing this and I, sitting as the business owner myself in my own business I think when when would I have done all of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, anytime there's a mistake, well, I mean, you should have saw that coming. Did you not see that coming, Leah? Like, right? uh no. Because yeah. at some level, we have to trust people. We cannot operate in this world if exactly. at some level
1: we can't trust people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, in the beginning, I, I you talk about what we did to recover the loss. I think that was the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember meeting, the, the initial meeting with the attorney, and... I don't. I, I think you were in that meeting. But I remember having to think about, again, in my night na- naivety, um, I'm thinking, you turn this over to law enforcement and, you know, they give it to a detective and that detective goes out and beats the bushes and, and solves the crime. Right. And it was tough to hear that they're not going to do that. That is not how that works. Yeah. Mm-mm. They're not going to do that. They don't have the time, the resources. No. Even the... Expertise mm-hmm. to do an in-depth investigation. Mm-hmm. So I remember having to think, okay, I'm going to have to fund this investigation yeah. myself. Yeah. If I want it solved. Either that mm-hmm. or just write it off right. and walk away. Right. I was too angry to do that. Mm-hmm. So I chose to basically pay for the investigation.
0: Okay. Now... Or four years past when you, or almost four years from when you discovered this, mm-hmm. what does your business look like now that there, these people aren't there anymore?
1: Well, as I mentioned earlier, many that many of the actors involved in, in my case are still in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, and they have uh, continued to take from the business that uh, now that's that's slowed down considerably. Uh, So for the most part, we've weathered the storm, and I think we're stronger today as a result of this, the changes that we've implemented. Mm -hmm. I think we're stronger not only programmatically, but financially. I know the checks and balances that we have in place are much more strict, much Mm -hmm. more strict, probably more strict than anybody else in my industry. I have a lot of eyeballs looking at things, mm-hmm. not just mine. I have involved some of my the upper echelon of the management team that that review
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of stuff. Every every check that goes out that's you know uh, a business expense. Well, every mm-hmm. check that goes out is, is a business expense. So there's a number of us that are reviewing all of that, reviewing all of the deposits, scrutinizing mm-hmm. the invoices. We've probably gone overboard on the checks and balances, mm-hmm. but. You know, after you've been through what I've been through, it's, I want to say it's natural, but I don't know if it is or not. I've never been through it before. Well,
0: yeah. (laughs) Based on my experience, I think so. Yeah. So double down and make sure that it's
1: not going to happen again. We're doing all right. Uh, We're not as big as we were as a result of losing some clients, but uh, we're doing well.
0: Good. Kind of finally, just to wrap all of this up, what... Would you or do you recommend to business owners to help them prevent embezzlement
1: in their business? Stay engaged. Trust but verify.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now, unless you're gonna review every check that goes out like I do now, you're gonna to have to at least do random random checks, you know, of of things and yeah, you may not catch anything then, but just yeah. stay engaged, very yeah. engaged.
0: And I think that when I like that idea to stay engaged because if I'm engaged in my business I can kind of get that like gut check every now and then mm-hmm. like something's not quite right yeah. but if I I notice that every time that I kind of step away from an area mm-hmm. and I'm not engaged mm-hmm. then I kind of lose that feeling yeah. and then I don't know to go check on it yeah. and so yeah
1: for me I, I, I get paranoid now uh, yeah. about what's going on you know so sure. then I'm sure my staff get frustrated because you know whenever I get those paranoid feelings I I they get a lot of questions and a lot of requests for for documents, but that um, it helps me sleep at night.
0: Van, thank you so much for sharing your story today and to an extent kind of reliving it. I didn't mm-hmm. think about that when I asked you to do this, but I know that our listeners, just from an investigative standpoint, I think as an investigator, I forget what it's like to be in your shoes. And then also just for people who maybe own a business listening to the podcast and they go, "Oh, I I'm identifying with a few of these things." And just so that they can go check because to identify it, I mean we talked about this before we started recording, what would have happened if another year had gone on? What other areas would they have started dipping into and falsifying and creating really big headaches for you as the business owner, even though this was a big enough headache, but I mean being able to catch that when you did, even though it was a long time, but to be able to catch it and stop it, get it removed and move forward.
1: Yeah. It, so. uh, it could have been as bad as it was. It could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. It could have been a lot worse. And I, and I hope me telling my story, I hope it helps somebody out there.
0: I'm sure it will. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. The Investigation Game Podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. For more information about any of the topics that we talk about on the podcast, please visit workmanforensics.com and to register for our Be A Data Sleuth seminars, visit beadatasleuth.com. You can also connect with us on any of the social media platforms by searching Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the podcast, please feel free to email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. Thanks for listening.